I'm Andy Vinker, and this is Fit Pro Radio. Whether you're a fitness veteran or novice, this podcast is for you. I hope to share the good, the bad, and the real to help you fast track your career and help you find fulfillment and passion in the fitness industry. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fit Pro Radio. I am a little nervous, a little <laughs> for this episode. Um, but I've gotten so many requests and so many messages about this very thing that I thought it would be super valuable. Um, and it's also given me a really great invitation to kind of give myself a little bit of a self-assessment, a little bit of an inventory on myself and my abilities and kind of the things that the skills that I have learned and developed and worked toward to get to where I am today. And so without further ado, I want to talk today about how to lead um, a team and how to do so by creating a safe and thriving culture at work. Um, This was kind of a big weighty (laughs) and I feel a lot of responsibility with this um, because I, I know I don't know everything and I don't ever try to pretend I know everything, but I have had to sit with myself in preparing for this episode over the last couple weeks. It's taken me a couple weeks to get (laughs) okay with this, but to be able to sit with myself and be like, you know what? No, I, I don't know everything, but I do know what I know. And I've worked really hard to develop the skills so I could create a safe, welcoming, um, great, environment at work. I um, am hoping to share things that in case you're someone that is in this position and maybe your team is struggling or maybe you have um, a rough time with retention in your team or motivation or the culture or maybe there's gossip or maybe you are somebody that's aspiring to be a manager one day and it seems really daunting but it's something that you'd be really interested in I'm really hoping that this episode speaks to you um, and that I can share some of the things that I've learned and applied in my place of work as well as in my own life to be able to create a really solid culture at work. Um, I am, before I I start sharing, I just want to say like I love my job. I love the people I serve. Um, and the one, the amazing humans that I get to work with. And, and it is hard and scary sometimes to work with a bunch of instructors. I feel like fitness instructors, this isn't their, the career, their chosen career. It's something that chose them, whether it was an experience, whether it was, you know, like fitness falling into their lap, (laughs) whatever it is, this this usually comes to people later in their lives and and it's something that they are very passionate and lit up and excited about. And so it can be daunting when you know that you have all these like very passionate lit up people because if they ever have like a conflict or a drama or something, they get passionate and lit up. And so how do you manage that? How do you how do you still be able to stay authentic to yourself 
as a manager, but then also continue to feed and and celebrate the the light and the passion that these instructors have. I'm hoping to kind of cover all this in this episode, and it it might be a longer one, so maybe just kind of get settled in or pull out your load of laundry and let's get let's get into it. I want to start by by sharing kind of my personal story and how I got into the position that I'm in as the fitness director in my facility and and kind of what I did to prepare for this role. A few years ago, I worked in a gym that I loved so much. And I remember when my favorite boss decided to step down and step away from her position, I was devastated. <laughs> I love her. I, to this day, continue to, to reach out to her with questions um, and advice. And, and she is just somebody I very much look up to. And so when she stepped down from her position, I remember thinking, whoever takes her spot has really giant shoes to fill. Because literally, I have this huge respect and I've like kind of put her on this pedestal. So whoever's next, it better be good. <laughs> and I remember the opportunity actually came up to apply to have her position. And I remember thinking like, wow, that'd be really, again, really kind of a lot of pressure to like fill those, those shoes. But could I do it? And I remember talking to some friends and I actually even had instructor friends that worked with me that were like, you should totally apply. Um, And you would be super, super awesome for this position, which kind of made me like sit back and reflect being like, would I? Would I like this position? Would I be good in this position? And this was probably eight years ago. And I remember just kind of like letting myself get excited for a minute, being like, maybe I could do this. But then I started to really reflect on what the magnitude of a responsibility it is and the reasons why I looked up to my boss in the first place. Like, what did she do and what skills does she have that I love and admire and have like favored over every other gym and facility I teach at? And do I have those skills? She had wonderful skills in boundary setting. That was huge. She was so and still is so good with boundaries. She had great communication skills. She was a wonderful teacher and still continues to be. And she is great at empathy, knowing when to show up, knowing how to show up, knowing exactly what to say, um, and helping you along your journey as an instructor. And those things, I was like, I love this about her, but I know I need work before I ever apply for a kind of position like this. So quick ending to that story, no, I didn't apply. Because after a lot of self-reflection, I knew that these skills are skills that are so vital, at least in what I saw and what I admired in her. So I knew that if I ever wanted to open myself up to a position of management um, or being in, in charge or leading a team, I needed some work to do. So I started to take the necessary steps that I felt would be helpful for me. And so the first thing I did is therapy. I talk a lot about therapy because I feel like, you know, it's so important. People think that therapy is for the broken. Therapy is for someone with big trauma, which it definitely is for those people. But you know what? We're all a little broken. We all are raised with um, exterior 
experiences that kind of lead us to have these false beliefs and not enoughness and maybe we need some work on our on our boundaries or maybe we need work on our our ability to be honest with ourselves or communicate our needs or whatever it may be i recommend therapy for anybody that's ever gotten in their own way of doing something so let that settle in <laughs> and there are really really awesome resources for therapy if you're if you don't have it covered by insurance i wish more insurance would cover therapy and there are apps there are free resources there are community resources there are community resources through universities and through religious programs so definitely find in your area some kind of therapy whether it's group therapy or individual um because it does make a difference to in your own personal leadership journey so i started going to therapy um, for other reasons first, but then once I started to really explore myself, I knew I needed to work on the following. I was, and sometimes still bounce back to people pleasing. I don't like it when people don't like me. <laughs> it hurts my feelings. And let's be honest, when it comes to leadership, it does matter. Like if you're, if we think of those people that are like, I don't care what people think. The reality is we all care what people think. We all do. We all want to know that we feel welcome, that we're loved, that we belong. Um, and so I think more the conversation is I don't care. Instead of thinking I don't care who likes me, I don't care about people, we need to shift the conversation to why do I care so much about what people think of me? And if that is, is something that maybe you struggle with because it's something that I struggled with, that can be resolved in therapy. Um, and it's important. I think it's important to be able to recognize that we do care what people think about us. It helps us be empathetic. It helps us check ourselves. As long as we're not putting all our worth into what people think, but we still care a little bit about how we are seen and how we make people feel, like that's a really delicate line to balance. But I think that's a really good and important place to be. And so I worked really hard to overcome giving other people any say in my, in my value and my worth. But all, and also being able to do things for myself. But still kind of balancing like, but how am I showing up and representing myself to people? But not letting that decipher everything in my life. Does that make sense? Um... And the next thing I learned is how to communicate my needs and how to set boundaries. Boundaries are hard, but when you think about it, everything comes back to boundaries, even communicating our needs. Like, for example, like it's as small as this, like my tape dispenser at work kept getting, it just kept disappearing. <laughs> I was getting so annoyed, but I wouldn't tell anybody. Instead, I would just keep buying tape dispensers when they have them there provided for us. I didn't want to be a bother to anybody, but then in, in a therapy session, we talked about how that is a basic need and it's okay to communicate things. So I just said, Hey, I don't know if anyone's bought, it's like using my tape dispenser, but, and you're welcome to, like, it's here for everybody as long as it comes back or same with my chair. My chair kept disappearing. So annoying, right? <laughs> but being able to say, you're welcome to use my chair as long as it makes it back. That's the biggest thing for me. 
guess what? Ever since I had that, like, two seconds of discomfort and being able to communicate my needs, my tape dispenser has not gone missing and neither has my chair. So it's just small things like that that I really struggled with because I didn't want anybody's feelings to get hurt. I didn't want to put anyone out. But then I realized that boundaries also mean being able to not put myself out, you know, like being able to show up for myself as well as everybody else. Um, and so those are big things as well as as um, working to learn communication and leadership skills. Um, big things like conflict resolution, organizational skills. And now I don't want, I want to like pause here for a second and just say, I know these are a lot of things. Don't feel like you have to do all of these things or be a master of all these things. You don't. Um, this was just all me and in my own personal reflection. I do want to invite you to kind of do a self-assessment and see if any of these kind of like maybe pinch a nerve being like, oh, maybe I should work on that. Even if you're not aspiring to be like a leader of a fitness team, you will have an opportunity in your life to lead and you want to make sure that you feel comfortable when that call comes. And so I just, that's why I'm sharing these things, but don't feel like overwhelmed or daunted being like, whoa, leadership is a lot because <laughs> it is, but it's also something that we continue to work on and continue to progress and learn as we go. So just wanted to put that out there. But I wanted really, really badly to master these skills or at least open the door and open the conversation to see where I was struggling so that I could improve. I'm always, I'm kind of addicted to improvement. I love it. <laughs> um, so the work has continued. I still do therapy and I still do leadership coaching and I still read and I still am constantly assessing my own performance at work. Um, and I'm still trying to find that balance of being nice to myself and not expecting too much all the time. Um, and remembering that I have a team that I can call upon and rely on and that they're always willing to show up for me because of the culture that we've created at work. So that's kind of my, my little tidbit. And so now I want to dig into what things I have read about um, and applied at work. And so again, if you're, if you're struggling with your team or if you're in any leadership position, these will benefit you, I feel like, because like there's always so many blind spots in leadership. We jump in ready to serve and excited to, to be there for people, but we want to also make sure that we can serve to our best potential, that we're not creating a culture of fear or shame or scarcity or not enoughness or that we're not creating an unmotivating place to be. And so these are some things that, that I have studied and applied and that have worked for us and I fully recommend them and they're hopefully small enough to digest that you can do one at a time and just see and tweak and, and try in your place of work. So the first thing I did, um, I started reading a lot. I love reading. I have loved reading leadership books. I love listening to leadership podcasts. I also am a huge fan of personal development 
and those kind of books. And so books I want to recommend, and I can add some to the show notes. So you can check out links if you want. They're really, really good, whether they're audiobooks or in paper. And I try to do both because I like writing notes and I love internalizing, especially if it's the author that's actually reading it. But I love Simon Sinek. He is big on leadership. And so if you ever want a really great read, Simon Sinek has great books. All of them are really, really good. Um, But Leaders Eat Last was probably the most impactful for me by Simon Sinek, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, as well as Dare to Lead. And she has a podcast on Spotify um, called the Dare to Lead podcast. And that is a great free resource, you know, that you can just go to. And she has a whole website that's dedicated to resources that you can kind of dig through and thumb through and pass out to your team. And she has amazing setups for agendas, for meetings, for conflict resolution. So I love Brene Brown and her Dare to Lead program too. But there are a lot of other books I recommend that I will again link in the show notes. But those are probably my top two is Simon Sinek and Brene Brown. Um, And so some of the things I've learned from them is what I'm going to share with you. So the first thing that I did when I got called into my into or hired on in my position Um, was I decided to sit down and write clear expectations for the staff. This was a very uncomfortable place to be, not just for me, but for the whole staff. (laughs) Because before my time, there weren't very clear expectations. It was just kind of like unspoken rules. Um, It was just kind of like whatever works, whatever doesn't. And if, you know, like there was just no expectation. The problem with that is that when you're, when you don't lay out clearly what, what you expect, you're just kind of leaving things to the imagination. So maybe the level of expectation that you have might be way higher than the employee's expectation of what, is it, what they should be doing um, or vice versa. Maybe they think they need to be do, doing way more and they're, or they're spinning their wheels trying to be the best and be like as awesome as possible, but you don't really see it because that's not what you expected of them. Does that, it's, it's again, a very delicate place to be. So how do we resolve that? We write out clear expectations of what we want to see in our staff and what we want to see happening throughout the workplace. So I wrote down very specific things. Like if you need to miss this many classes without a medical Um, excusal or reason or without talking to me, then you're at risk of losing your class. Or this many people are expected in your class to, to be able to like, like this is like the minimum number of people expected in your class. And here are some things that you can do to build your own class. You are responsible for building your class, not the, not the facility and things like that. Um, or like you're expected to be here 15 minutes early stuff that is like very specific or cleaning things, cleaning protocols were all written in there. After writing these down, I started to just send them out in the hiring packets. So when I interview, audition, and bring someone onto the team, I've decided that it's most efficient if I do so via email. Um, And it has just been so good because then I can lay out fully like 
top to bottom. Here's what ex is expected of you. Here's where you're starting. Here's how much you're paid. And if you have any questions after reading through all of this, please contact me. That has been the best thing because not only is it wonderful for new employees to know what's expected of them because they jump on board and they meet the expectation 100%. I have not had anyone that hasn't. And if they, for some reason, cannot in their capacity, like if they don't have the capacity to meet your expectations, it's fine. It's okay. Maybe they're not a fit for the team and that's not a bad thing. It's not bad for them. It's not bad for you because if it's too much for them, they'll leave. If it's, and, and then that way everyone like, for example, when I did bring out these expectations, I actually did have a couple instructors that weren't able to meet the expectations. And so they came to me saying, I can't really do this right now. Can I come back later when I have this, the capacity to like be able to do this 100%? And so they were able to leave and we were able to still have a good relationship. And most of them have come back to teaching once they were ready. And so it was a really, really good place to be and have those expectations. If you work in a big box gym, hopefully they have a hiring packet that lays all that out for you. But I try and keep it as like plain and simple and clear as possible. Brene Brown says, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. So the more clarity that you can give on your end um, to, your, to your upcoming staff or to your staff and just continue that conversation, being like, do you guys remember what this what this rule is. Do you guys remember how many people are supposed to be in your classes? Um, like it's really great because it's a shared responsibility and say something was to come up and some, you did have to have like a tough conversation, which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, and maybe like some rules were broken or expectations were not met. Then you can have a safe, it's kind of like an insurance for you to have a written space that is shared with everybody to be like, you know what's expected of you. It was written in this hiring packet. And then it's like, it's like backup for, for your argument, if that makes sense. If that's for lack of a better way to explain it. It's insurance. It takes care of you. It takes care of the staff. And it takes care of the facility when you have a clear written expectation. So try to do that. If you haven't, it's not too late. Like it's really not too late to, to write down what you're hoping but it is always going to be a pushback or a fight if you're just hoping that people will rise to some unknown expectation and that you that they might feel successful there like they won't. So the sooner you can get clear expectations to them, the better for everybody. The next thing that we try to do is have clear, open communication. And so I want to share like for example, last year when we had our COVID shutdowns. I remember like, we'll never forget <laughs> COVID. And, it's, and some people are still experiencing the, the waves of unemployment in the fitness world, whether their gym shut down. And if your gym is still shut down, I'm so sorry. I know how hard it is. I felt it as an instructor and I felt it as a manager. The, the pain, the frustration, the scarcity, the unknown is a terrifying place to be. But being, I decided during that time to be as open and honest with my staff as I could because I would get messages being like, any news or reopening. And so I decided that I needed to be doing frequent 
Facebook trainings or some kind of video communication with my staff. Um, our main hub is probably our Facebook group. We have a very active um, and engaged Facebook group, so I also recommend doing something like that, whether it's Slack or Facebook or whatever works for you and your team. But um, I would jump on Facebook Live almost daily, and then I would give any updates that I did have. And I would answer any questions that I knew answers to. But in that time, I really didn't know a lot. Like, no, none of us did, let's be honest. And so it was a terrifying but a great opportunity to open up vulnerably to my staff and be like, you know what, I don't know what's happening. I have no answers for you today. But I, I know we're going to come back, and when that time comes, we're going to be ready. And being able to maintain that communication, I ended up finding was not only valuable for me, but for my staff. I had so many people, so many of my team members messaging me saying, thank you so much for the updates. I haven't heard anything from other facilities, or I appreciate knowing what you do know. Thank you for keeping us in the loop. It's that simple of being able to, it's a small way to show up for your team. And, and again, just talking, whether you know the answer or not. Um, and something else is holding space for conversations, holding space for your staff. Like I said, the whole goal is clear, open communication. So being able to, to be honest with your staff means having tough conversations and not being afraid of them. And if you struggle having tough conversations or you're kind of like a sweep under the rug person, whether you are an instructor, having a, wanting to have a tough conversation with your boss or vice versa, like don't fear those tough conversations, but go into them and set an appointment, like have a, have a process for tough conversations to occur that they end up being a safe, positive place. But don't ever miss an opportunity to correct a bad behavior or to communicate your needs just because you're afraid. That's when trouble starts. Um, if you can have those, those conversations and, and know that your, your manager or you being the manager, if you are a safe place to be, it alleviates gossip. It creates a team focus. And it also leaves a place, again, for our instructors to communicate their needs openly and honestly, and you can too. It's a really, really um, uncomfortable space to begin, <laughs> but it's probably the most valuable thing. And when in asking some of my staff like what they appreciated in me as a boss as in preparing for this, um, that was probably the best compliment that I received is that I try to have open communication. I let my staff know that I'm available, like how to reach me and what times they can reach me. And we'll talk about that in boundaries, but, but they do. And they have no problem asking me questions, like even as small as like, hey, the person in the front row kind of does their own thing in this track. Like, how would you handle that? Like being able to answer those questions has been so fun for me. And it actually is what led to this podcast. And, and it's awesome to be able to show up for my, my team in that way. It helps me continue to stay grounded and, and to develop empathy, but then it also keeps me learning and it helps them know that they, that we're all learning. We're all in this together. 
And with that, I want to segue into the next thing, and that is having ownership. In other podcast episodes, we've talked about how I tell my staff all the time, I create the culture in my class. In that same way, I create the culture in my workplace. All of us do. And if you can just say that out loud, I create the culture in my workplace, it makes, it's kind of like a big, like, whoa, (laughs) that's a big responsibility. And it is. Um, I've learned that if there's dysfunction in the team, there's dysfunction in the management. And that is a very big, big claim, big, bold claim, but it's honestly, there's always truth to it. In all the leadership books I've read and all the experiences I've had, I've learned that if there is dysfunction in the team, there's dysfunction from the top. If there's gossip in the team, there might be gossip in the top. If there is um, toxicity in the team, it might have started from the top. So being able to to take ownership for that, <laughs> taking responsibility. And there's also a book called Extreme Ownership that I just started that I'm like loving, but it's all about that. The thing is, when we take responsibility for not just the good, like if you have a killer event and you're like, yeah, we totally did that. But then also something bad happens and, and a team member feels failed because of one of your decisions, but you don't take on, you don't take responsibility for that. That's not cool. That's out of integrity. (laughs) And so being able to learn to take ownership, take responsibility for the bad and the good, um, learning when to say, I'm sorry. I had another experience where um, I had, uh, it was it was so sad. I felt so bad. But I had just been reading again about how important, important it is to be able to say you're sorry. And I had miscommunicated something to a staff member and I was able to get on a call with them and we were able to talk it through and this team member was very upset and for good reason. I, I really messed up here. And being able to to listen to their needs, listen to their frustration, hold space for that, and then also say, you know what, I really messed up here. And I wish I could fix it in the way that you want, but I can't. But I do want to let you know that I am so sorry and this will never happen again. Um, and we were able to like heal and move forward. But I'll never forget that experience that I had because I could have totally blamed it on on whatever being like, oh, well, maybe you're not what you think you are. Maybe you're not as good as you think or getting defensive. Like, who would that help? Nobody. But being able to sit in that frustration with my with my staff, with this team member and be like, you know what? (laughs) I know that you're so mad and you are fully allowed to be mad because I really messed this up. And that was really not cool of me. But it will never happen again. Not only being able to take on that ownership, not only did that feel really good and it was really ended up being really good for our relationship, but it also helped me to to display to my team that we are all allowed to make mistakes. My team knows that they are allowed to make mistakes. Mistakes are fully welcome as long as we learn from them. I try really hard to be mindful of my language when we have tough conversations, I, to not be shaming, not make anyone feel bad or not put anyone down because again, who would that help? 
literally no one. No one grows in an environment that is fed by shame and fear. Nobody does. And I have learned in my own experience that if I can just allow space for those mistakes, because guess what? We're human and we're all going to make them. As long as we learn from them, like we will have a mistake made, we talk about it, and it never happens again. And that is a far more productive environment and a lot safer of an environment than one that demands perfection and one that punishes mistakes. So that's something else with ownership, I feel like. Take responsibility for the bad and the good, but then also allow your staff to know that you are human. You make mistakes and you will learn from them. And in the same way, they are allowed to make mistakes as long as they learn from them because that's a part of being human. That's part of being a team that brings us together. I have two more that I want to cover with you today. Um, and so again, I hope that these things aren't daunting. I hope this is not overwhelming information. I, this is just me sharing my experience and I really hope it is kind of helping maybe shed light on where, where we could grow in our own cultures at work or in ourselves personally. But this next one, I think, is by far the most important to creating a really great culture at work. And that is to care about our staff. There's this really awesome quote, again, by Brene Brown, because I love her and I will quote her for the rest of my days. (laughs) But it says, daring leaders must care and be connected to the people they lead. This means that if you don't have a a sense of caring towards someone you lead, or we don't feel connected to that person, we have two options. Develop the care and the connection, or find a leader who's a better fit. Affection for the people we serve is non-negotiable. So this was actually a quote taken from an interview that she had with a military officer. And they were saying that caring for your squadron, caring for the people that are in your group is not an option. It's non-negotiable. I mean, it's, it is an option. It's the only option, <laughs> but it's non-negotiable. If you don't care for the people that you are working with, then find somebody who will. Or learn to care for that person. I know that sometimes we have staff that is hard or frustrating because again, we have a lot of people that are very lit up and passionate that we are managing. But the bottom line is when you're working with people, people are complicated. And we only get to see usually one side of them and that is a work side of them. And if maybe there is behavior that's like that could be corrected awesome let's work on that but don't let it deter your ability to care for them to find empathy for them to talk to them i feel like anytime we've had some kind of issue at work if i can just get on a phone call and understand where they're coming from and find clarity and and try and speak to them in a way that they understand and that they feel cared for and loved and and like I have their back, way better action is taken than, I don't know, the other option of maybe ignoring it or just getting mad 
or just <laughs> being upset with them behind their back. Um, but being able to find clarity, understand their side. And this goes in both ways, whether, again, you're a, a boss trying to work with a maybe tougher instructor or an instructor that wants to get to know a, your, another instructor that might be hard to you or a boss that might be rough to work with. Once you develop that opportunity, like bring your walls down and try and get to know them and understand where they're coming from, it's a lot more productive and a lot better of a conversation that you can have with them. And you're, you're going to build that relationship and you're going to build that opportunity to genuinely care for them. And how do you know if you care for them? You weep when they're hurting. Their wins are your wins. You celebrate and you're just as excited as they are. And better, they share their wins. Their pain is your pain. Being able to be there for the human side of every person is going to change the game for your team. And it will also go back to that having clear, open, honest communication because there is a safety, because they know that you genuinely care about them, the person, not just in the amount of money they're bringing in, not just the way they make you look um, when they crush a class or an event, but you care for them. You know their family and their names and their struggles. You've given their dog a dog treat or something. I don't know. <laughs> but trying to reach out and and tap into the humanity of what our work is and that is to care for people to love the people that we serve and to develop that deep admiration um, for them do you have to go out of your way to get to know every single person or take on their problems no but does it help to have those safe spaces those safe communications and to get to know them enough that you can like genuinely say I love you and I'm so grateful that you're here yes and I fully fully recommend that route of leadership we just need to be the leaders that we want people to be and the something that I have loved with that is that something that I've started to implement in my staff meetings, and that is to have other staff members recognize somebody and what is something awesome that they're doing. So we did staff shout outs at our last staff meeting when it was really fun for to hear them talk about each other, being like, oh my gosh, like so-and-so had the best class and they kicked my butt. And I'm so grateful that I got to like go to this class because I had so much fun. Thank you, this instructor, for making it such a fun class. You totally made me want to bring that fun to my class. But having have space in your in your staff meetings. And if you don't hold staff meetings, hold them. And leave space in there to celebrate team wins and to let your your staff celebrate each other. It is just, it's just something else that feeds the culture so beautifully and again allows everybody to see the human side, connect to each other deeper, and to get to know each other in a different way than like the one time they see each other in a staff meeting or the one time they see each other in an event. It goes deeper and it's way 
better for the team. The last thing that I want to share is to have boundaries. Like I said, this is something that I had to work really hard on in therapy. Um, And boundaries meaning kind of leaving a space between you and work. And having clear defined expectations for yourself. Knowing when to turn off the phone. And being able to communicate that to your staff. It sounds like a scary, selfish place to be. And I know that in this, in these times of like, we grind, we grind, we grind, it's hard to turn off the phone (laughs) and it's hard to say no, but this is a very vital part to your sanity as a manager. And so I was really grateful. Like I mentioned my, my first, that boss in that, in that big box gym, we'll just give her a shout out. Marlo, I love you so much. (laughs) Marlo was a great example of boundaries for me. Because I remember texting her, I don't remember, it probably wasn't important, but I texted her on like a Friday night, I don't even remember, it, again, it was not important, and then I didn't get a message responding until like maybe 10am the next week, like on a Monday. And she said, just so you know, my phone is off every night at 7pm, and then Friday nights at 6pm, and then I don't turn it back on until Monday morning. And so if you ever need to reach me, just know that those are my hours. And I remember being like, what? That's amazing. (laughs) Um, And at first I remember feeling like, I know that some of us will feel like, well, what if I need you at three in the morning? You know what, Marlo, she wouldn't answer the phone. So if you needed her at three in the morning, (laughs) you weren't gonna reach her. Um, But I honestly got to a point where I very much respected that. and And I still respect that. And it made me very, conscious about people's time and what I take away from them in like a small text message maybe like it makes me value any opportunity I have to communicate with them being like okay so Marlo said that she needed until Monday so okay so she starts work at nine so if I had questions I would write them in notes and then I would make an appointment to talk to her give her a call so I could get it all out at once or I would send it all right at once if it was so important it gives you an opportunity to like again really reassess which of the things you're going to ask are like actually valuable and important or what is just kind of fluff um and so i tried really hard when i got this when i got the opportunity to to be a director i got on a call with her and i said marlo what are your top tips for boundaries like what are the biggest boundaries that you held for yourself And how did you like make sure that they were honored and respected? And so she was saying the best thing you can do is let people know again with the clear expectations. When are your office hours? When are you available? But then also if someone sends you a message and you are not in the office or you're not on the clock, let them know. It's you don't have to be mean. You don't have to be disrespectful. Um, but for example, I had, I was on vacation with my family and this was one of our longer, probably the longest vacation we've ever had as a family. And at this time I'm currently expecting I'm pregnant. We're due in October. And so I've been really trying to soak up every minute that I have with my husband and my two little boys and just what we have as a family of four right now. And it's really hard to do that and be, in, be present on a vacation if your phone is going off nonstop, right? And so I, before I left, 
I told my staff, hey, I'm going to be on vacation with my family. If it's an emergency, you can reach out to me. Um, but if it can wait, please let it wait. I'd rather be with my family. Um, and then it was really cool because then if I did have someone reach out with something that probably could have waited, um, I had already practiced with Marlo how to say, <laughs> hey, I really want to answer this question when I'm back in the office. I'm currently on vacation with my family. Can you remind me about this Monday when I'm back? There's nothing but respect there. Like the responses that I got from my staff were so kind and so respectful being like, oh my gosh, yes, I totally forgot. I will remind you Monday. And if it is important to them, they're going to remind you. Like you're not going to forget something that's really important. But that doesn't um, mean that you as a boss have to let that interfere with your life. Especially if it's something that you are far away and it's like not like you can do anything about it right now. So holding boundaries is so important. Set boundaries for yourself and work. Know when to clock out and let your staff be um, aware of your boundaries so that they can know when to reach you. Um, they know when they can ask questions. And if it is an emergency, like they're only reaching out for you to you for an emergency. And it's just that. Um, it has been really great for me because I am kind of a workaholic. And so being able to communicate those boundaries efficiently to my staff has been really great because then they help me hold my boundaries when I'd rather be working. I love working. <laughs> and there are times when I'd rather be working than doing like laundry at home, right? And so then being able to respect my boundaries has also helped me hold mine. And so I want to quickly recap some of the things I shared. So first, the big, biggest practices, if you can have any takeaways, write down clear, concise expectations for your staff. And again, I would even put those in a hiring packet. It's so much better to have it written so that way your staff can refer to it and you can refer to it. You can go back and forth and occasionally I will even print out all the staff expectations and I attach them to our staff agendas, being like, guys, if you haven't checked, like, please just reread these. It's always a great reminder. And again, it's just insurance for you and your team members. It protects everybody to have clear expectations written. Next, have clear, open communication with your staff. Be able to be the safe space for your staff. And again, like, and I just want to like quickly throw this in there. If you have a habit of gossiping or a habit of, of maybe bashing something, a format, a person, um, whatever it may be, like you, please check yourself there. Um, stay professional. The workplace is not a place to, to spread gossip. And if you have a culture of gossip, again, we want to take that ownership and be like, maybe this begins with me. So please, when you are in a place of leadership, be so mindful of what you're saying. Be so mindful of, of the language that you use, especially to your staff and your coworkers. Take responsibility and ownership for the things that you say. I create the culture in my workplace. Next, care deeply, honestly, authentically, and genuinely for your staff. Get to know them, celebrate their wins, Weep with them when they're hurting and be there for them and love them and tell them. 
And then last one, set clear boundaries for yourself and share those with your team. Um, I, I really hope that this was helpful. I really hope that this was maybe something different that if you are missing something in your team that you can maybe try to implement some of these things. And the bottom line that I've learned is just be nice, be clear, and, and just genuinely care. Um, support your team, go to their classes, give them feedback, and also create an environment where feedback is a safe thing. It's not like critical or mean, because that's just not necessary. Um, but be there for them, be open with them, answer their calls. If it's their kid's birthday and you know about it, wish their kid a birthday, <laughs> happy birthday. Um, just be their most, your best self and try and do the work. I want to invite you to do the work outside of work. Learn the communication skills, learn conflict resolution, read Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. It will rock your world. Um, but do the things that you can outside of the workplace so that you can show up as your very, very best self and a very strong leader to your staff that is trustworthy, that is kind, and that emanates, I hope that's the right word, it just came out, um, the culture that you want to see in your workplace. Um, and if this was valuable to you, I really hope that you'll share it, share it on your social media platform. You can tag me. Um, I love when it's shared. I love seeing your um, reviews and comments. Please help and continue to, to leave those reviews for any podcast episode that maybe was touching or helpful or valuable in any way. Those reviews help build us as podcasters. Um, and thank you all for your continued support. And again, sharing is caring. That also helps us grow. <laughs> if you share the episodes on your social media, be sure to tag me, Andy Marie, and let people know why you like Fit Pro Radio and if it's been helpful to you. And with that said, I will see you guys on the next one.